Welcome to The Purpose Project. I'm Emily, a 23-year-old graduate student who's on her journey to find her purpose. I mean, who isn't? On this podcast, we'll chat through the good, the bad, and the ugly, having raw and real conversations about lifestyle, career, health, and mindset. The path to find your purpose isn't easy, but we can do it together, one episode at a time. Welcome to The Purpose Project. Welcome if you are new. Welcome back if not. My name is Emily. I am so excited to be here with you all today as usual, but I really just want to dive right into today's episode because it is so freaking good. I honestly might say that this is my favorite episode thus far of The Purpose Project. So I was going to give you guys a life update, but honestly, nothing really new is happening. I am headed to the beach with my family for a week, and then next week I have a bunch of training to do, um, some meetings to sit on in, and then I move that following week. So nothing really new is going to be happening in my life within the next two weeks, but don't you worry, I will be giving you you guys a giant update when this move begins. But let's dive right into today's episode. So today I had the honor of chatting with Allie Bonar. Allie is a podcast host. She's also the founder of Queen, which is a granola butter. Um, so cool. I actually, as soon as I got Allie to um, say yes to come onto the podcast, I went and bought myself some granola butter. And we get into where you can buy it and everything about it. But Allie has a really amazing story about her struggles and her journey with her body image and her relationship with food and just living her best life. And you can find her on Instagram at avoqueen and it's queen with a K-W-E-E-N. Super cool. Love it. But definitely check her out either while you're listening to this after or before. Allie is such a wonderful human being, period. And our conversation was so just honest and it's so authentic and our conversation did not feel like an interview. It felt like I was sitting down with a friend, which is how I always want these episodes to feel. And this conversation with Allie is a prime example of that. I do want to make a disclaimer though, because although this conversation is very positive and uplifting and motivating, I do want to make a disclaimer that we do touch on Um, some eating disorders and different things like that. So I do want to make that disclaimer in case it may trigger any of you. But this conversation is one that I am so glad we have brought to the podcast. And I think big, big, big thank you to Allie for being willing to share her story and share her journey. And she gives some really great advice and tips to anyone who may be struggling or maybe going through their journey right now to find that place of self-love and body image and just living their best life. Um, She does a really great job about explaining everything. So I'm going to stop ranting right now because I'm just so excited for this episode, as you can tell. But without further ado, 
Let's dive right into my conversation with Allie and I will chat with you guys afterwards. to the purpose project for today's episode i have an absolute queen here with me today she's a business owner podcast host and content creator using her platform to promote healthy relationships with your body food and living your best life and i'm so excited for you guys to hear from her and how she has completely transformed her life her name is ali bonar hi hallie how are you I'm good. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. Um, And to everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. Um, So yeah, I'm Allie. I am um, founder and CEO of Queen. Um, It's a food company based in San Diego. And we make a product called granola butter, which if you've never heard of that before, it's okay. (laughs) There's never been one. Uh, But it's like the first ever spreadable granola. So think like the texture of an almond butter, um, but it's actually completely nut-free and we use oats and flax as the base. Um, But yeah, I'm happy to get into anything. Um, I had a very tumultuous journey with food in my body. Um, I would say most of my life I really struggled with body image and disordered eating um, and have really come to this place, like this beautiful, healthy relationship with food. Um, I love still love food, always have loved food. I just have very much, you know, much more um, healthy relationship with it now. So yeah, I'm just so excited to be here and just honored to, to be on your podcast. And I'm so excited to have you. And I didn't know about granola butter until I found you and you had, you guys are in Whole Foods too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We actually just launched on the East Coast with Whole Foods. So we were, we started on the West Coast and we're working our way <laughs> towards the middle, but um, yeah, we just launched last month into the Northeast and then Florida. Hey, that's super exciting. I'm on the East Coast, so next chance I get, I'm going to Whole Foods and getting myself some because it sounds so good. But we'll get into your business in a little bit. But I did want to start off by diving into kind of your journey with your body and self-love. And I know my listeners would love to hear your story. But before we dive into that too, I kind of want to start at the very beginning. So start by telling us, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? And did you ever imagine that you would be where you are today as a podcast host, business owner, and such an inspiration to so many? Yeah, it's so funny that you asked that because I was actually just talking. I met with some of my um, high school friends last night for dinner. And, you know, we'd been friends since like third grade, basically. I guess they're not high school friends. They're just like childhood friends. <laughs> and we were all talking about how crazy it is that, you know, growing up, we thought we were going to be one thing and just how life, you know, just weaves, you kind of find yourself on this winding weird path to where you are. And I grew up, um, my mom was a dentist, my dad was a teacher. And, you know, I always thought I was just going to be a doctor. I don't know really where that came from, but um, I was always really fascinated with, you know, medicine and stuff like that. Um, And I also just, I think, looking back, really admired sort of that doctor title. Like that was most of it. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't from a place of, Oh, I want to help people. You know, it was more like an ego driven sort of, Oh, I want to be a doctor, you know, very, very, you know, admirable title and all that. Mm -hmm. So go to college. I studied nutrition, um, up in the Bay area at UC Berkeley and was pre-med. So I was taking all the pre-med classes, was volunteering at my hospital, you know, local hospital, 
hated it. Like literally I had this quarter life crisis where I was like, oh my God, I was basically failing all of my pre-med classes. I had like three tutors, you know, cause it was just science oh, was no. not my strong suit, but I was like swimming upstream. I was like, I'm going to do this. And, um, just so focused on like that doctor title, right? Like still very ego driven. And, um, I realized I'm like, I hate sick people. I hate blood. I hate hospitals. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I am just soul crushing <laughs> myself, you know, with all of these classes and all that. So I ended up, I did graduate, you know, with a d- degree in nutrition um, and all my pre-med requisites and all that, um, but hated every second of what I was learning. And so I really, you know, from there, I loved, um, I realized I was so good just naturally at communicating and marketing and um, sort of more of those you know, qualitative skills. Um, and so I went into tech and I worked at a health tech company in marketing. Um, so it was still sort of in that health, you know, realm, but mm-hmm. really found my passion with marketing and, um, never expected to be running a food company. Um, I, you know, we can get more into my story, but basically started my Instagram account, you know, from my eating disorder recovery journey. So it was a way to hold myself accountable, um, to have fun with food, you know, to play with my food. I was so rigid with all of these food rules and, you know, eat this, not that kind of thing. And it stressed me the hell out. And so I was really, you know, a lot of people create like Fitspo Instagram accounts and mine was Mm -hmm. the complete opposite. It was, you know, eat more cake, eat more (laughs) pizza, you know, (laughs) lay off on the salads, like you're too strict. So, um, yeah. So then that kind of just blossomed from there. And then my current business really, um, you know, again, was just a byproduct of me following my passion and, and yeah, just kind of seeing where it took me. It was like a very weird winding path. (laughs) No, no, that's great because I preach to people all the time that you can change your career path at any point in life, either if it's during college, after college. I know people that are 40 years old and they change their career path. It really doesn't matter as long as you're doing something that you care about and you're not hating at the end of the day. Like you said, you were just going through the motions. You're like, I hate this. But I find it really funny how your parents teacher, dentist, you ended up somewhere in between how yeah. you're coaching people, but you're also sticking with nutrition and food. That's so interesting to me. And I find that people end up doing that a lot, even though they may not want to or not. So super interesting. So let's dive into your journey with your body and your relationship with food and how you got to where you are today. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in San Diego, which is where I am currently. Um, and, you know, San Diego was an awesome place to grow up, um, you know, beautiful, obviously very, I was very active outdoorsy, but I grew up playing volleyball and, um, love the sport, you know, nothing against, not that volleyball gave me an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, you know, I grew up around women who were really tall, really long and lanky. Um, if anyone knows volleyball, I was the libero, mm-hmm. which is like the shortest person on the team. And so all of my friends were 5'11", six foot. And, you know, we're in like middle school going into high school and they're just going through these massive growth spurts. So I think my perception of what the female body was supposed to look like was very distorted. Um, and this is through a lot of, you know, self-work and therapy and kind of just reflecting mm-hmm. on where this came from. And I remember the first time I really thought about food in a different way. Um, I was on a family cruise and we, you know, my mom is like, both my parents have an amazing relationship with food. They're, you know, super active. My dad did like six Ironmans, like very, you know, yeah, fitness oriented, but they never, you know, they kind of were more like eat to live 
type people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mom, I remember won this like free nutrition session with um, the cruise ships, like personal trainer, which like, first of all, red flag, if you're not, you know, an RD, you pr- if you're a personal trainer, you probably shouldn't be giving nutrition advice to anyone, but I digress. Um, and so she was like, <laughs> okay, cool. Let's go. You know, Allie, come along. Like if you want to. And it was very like, she wasn't like, Allie, let's go so we can lose weight together. Like it wasn't, you know, it was very just normal. And she's like, let's see what this is all about. And so we go and he introduces me to the zone diet. And I don't know if anyone remembers the zone diet, but it was a diet. I don't even remember the principles really, but, um, and my mom was kind of like, you know, we leave the meeting and she's like, all right, on to the next thing. That was a waste of time. Let's go get pina coladas. Like she was like, whatever. And I being so impressionable and sort of perfectionistic tendencies, I think, you know, and just sort of looking for guidance. I was a freshman in high school. Um, I like clung on to this diet. And I remember him telling me, you know, um, you have to eat seven almonds like per meat. Like it was like counting nuts, you know? And it was the first time I was like seven almonds. Like, wait, what? Like it was just mind blowing to me that people, you know, counted and portioned out their food because I just grew up with such a normal relationship with food. Um, so I get back home from that trip and really just dive in head first. I remember, you know, I couldn't even drive yet. I was like 14 and I asked my parents to take me to Barnes and Noble because I wanted to, um, you know, read about nutrition and just, I was obsessed. And so I started reading about veganism and raw veganism and just all of these different ways of eating. And my parents were kind of like, well, that's weird. But like, you know, most kids, I can't even get to eat a vegetable. So they were kind of on board with it. They were like, cool, you know, we'll support you. Like they probably were like, this is a little weird, but you know, she's seeming to be interested in it. So long story short, I basically, you know, all through high school kind of would just play around with different diets. And I would say it wasn't super, you know, restrictive or obsessive at at that point. It was more kind of experimental. And it was like, you know, classic high schooler where I would be, you know, vegan for a couple weeks. And then I was like, eh, I miss Froyo. So like I would eat Froyo. But it really kind of took a negative turn when I got into college. So as I mentioned, was a nutrition major and really wanted to study nutrition for the wrong reasons. I think sort of toward the end of high school, I started to notice some body changes. Um, You know, I was going through puberty, obviously. um, And I just... I really wanted to lose weight before I went to college, right? And I think a lot of people have this fear of the freshman 15. It's so Mm -hmm. ingrained in our society. Um, A lot of shame and guilt around it too, right? And so I had this immense fear of the freshman 15. And I actually was, you know, became so obsessive and so strict around food that I lost the freshman 15 when I got to college. And it was in such a negative way. It was, you know, I remember going to bed just – so hungry at night, like hearing my stomach growling and just feeling these feelings, like a mixed emotion of, you know, pride and like feeling proud of myself for, for, you know, my willpower, but then also feeling just so anxious and like depressed and obsessed around food. So I was always thinking about my next meal, you know, always thinking about how much I was going to eat and just planning. And that, I mean, I'm exhausted just (laughs) telling you the story, like the headspace, right. Of just, you know, how, what I could have accomplished if I moved that headspace to something else and off of food. Um, so yeah, so it really, I think college was, was tough for me because, you know, being a nutrition major, some of our projects were, you know, um, like a, a full dietary recall. So it was basically, you know, writing down everything you eat in a day and then analyzing it, which, you know, makes sense for curriculum for a nutrition student, but for someone with some disordered underlying tendencies, it was just, you know, a recipe for disaster. And so, yeah, I mean, all through college, it was just really, um, yeah, just 
a really negative, toxic environment for myself. And so um, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, So I graduated college and I just had this moment where I was like, I am done. Like, I think my rock bottom was really, you know, I was at dinner with friends and we were at this like super trendy, chic restaurant in San Francisco. I should have been like focusing on, you know, the decor and who I'm with and all these things. And I could only focus on the menu and, you know, they didn't have a salad on the menu. And I was like freaking out internally, right? It was like a taco place or something. And all my friends were ordering tacos and margaritas and having a great time. And I just couldn't, I couldn't focus on what they were saying. And I remember I got home from dinner and I just started kind of snacking and like binging, you know, eating things in my pantry. I wasn't physically full, but I felt so emotionally depleted because I couldn't even remember what we were talking about at dinner, you know? And it was like, I was mentally so checked out because I was so focused on food. So that was really a big turning point for me. And I was like, you know, I'm too young to deal with this bullshit. Like I need to get a handle on this. So I reached out for help. Um, I saw a nutritional therapist, which I highly recommend if anyone is listening and struggling um, to reach out for professional help because that just, you know, I think just telling someone is the biggest thing that you can do for yourself. Um, and it's so hard to handle alone. I think, Mm -hmm. especially as, you know, high achieving people, which I'm sure are listening to your podcast, like you think you can handle it. And like, I mean, I struggled with this for over 10 years of my life. I never was able to handle it. So it's not, you know, weakness. If you ask for help, Mm -hmm. I think vulnerability is strength and, um, yeah, we all need coaches and help in our lives. So it's, well, that was the huge thing. And then also realizing that disordered eating comes in all shapes and sizes. I was actually a little bit um, heavier when I was struggling with food than I am now. And it's different for everyone, but I think we have this perception of an eating disorder of someone that is super frail and underweight, which totally can be the case. But a lot of times, you know, it's a spectrum and people are struggling in different ways. And um, I was doing a lot of binge eating. So I was, you know, eating massive amounts of food. Um, So I was actually at a heavier weight than I am now. And yeah, I think that kept me stuck for a long time because I felt like I wasn't sick enough or, you know, I didn't look like I had an eating disorder. So I didn't deserve treatment. Um, so all of that to say, I have been through it all, um, you know, with food and I really just want to give people hope because I have been in like the deepest, darkest place and there is, you know, like recovery is so worth it and there is just so much hope and you can always get better and heal. So yeah, it's a little bit about my journey. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I'm sure people can find relatability in every single part of your story. I mean, personally for me, I was a collegiate athlete and I played college softball for two years and I always would compare myself to the other girls on my team because I'm a lot bigger. I have thicker bones. Like I'm just a bigger girl in general. Mm -hmm. And I always used to compare myself like what they were eating for lunch and like what I was doing at workouts and whatnot. And I realized it wasn't sustainable. Like that's not a sustainable living to compare yourself. And I know that comparison is something huge for a lot of people. Did you find yourself comparing yourself to either if it was on social media or if it was in person with your friends, was comparison something that you really struggled with even in college? Oh, totally. I mean, I think it's just human nature, right? Like I think even to this day, I compare myself with everything. Now it's more like business type things, right? Like Mm -hmm. how's my business doing compared to other, you know, Mm -hmm. healthy food companies. But um, I think it's really just realizing, especially with social media and, you know, my profession now is on social media, which is wild, Mm -hmm. but it's really realizing that you can't compare 
your real life to someone's highlight reel. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, my life on social media looks way cooler than it is. Like I'm not showing you guys. And I try to even show like the behind the scenes kind of, you know, like my down moments. Like I'll post a picture of like I just binged on peanut butter or something, you know. And mm-hmm. so like let alone these accounts of, you know, these fashion bloggers that have these five perfect kids all dressed. You know, it's like you don't see the tantrums and all of that. And so you're comparing your lows to their highs. And it's just, it's not apples to apples. Um, and I think even if, you know, you remember that and you realize that still subconsciously, there's this little sort of like twinge where you're like, Ugh, I don't know. And so what I've done, which has been so helpful, cause I'm more like tactical, like give me tangible takeaways yeah. is just literally being brutal with the unfollow. And if, you know, maybe for business or something, you can't unfollow someone, you can mute them, but it's up to you to protect your space and your emotional energy. And if someone that you're following just makes you feel weird in a certain way, even if it's me, honestly, like anyone, and it's Mm -hmm. no offense towards them. It's really just what you're going through. It could even be a certain period of time in your life. Like hit the unfollow. I used to hate follow all the Victoria's Secret models because I was (laughs) similar to you. I would compare myself and my body is literally never going to look like that. Like I'm 5'4", you know, and I'm more like muscular and I'm never going to be this long, you know, lean kind of Giselle type body type. And I'm sure these women are beautiful, wonderful humans, but it was so triggering for me to see them on my social media feed because I thought it was going to, you know, motivate me to want to go to the gym. And all it did was, you know, cause me to like hate myself and eat my feelings and not go to the gym because I was like, I'm never going to look like that. I might as well eat a pan of brownies, you know? Yeah. It really is just, I think, you know, knowing that we're all so beautifully individual and so different. And a lot of times too, the people who we compare ourselves to, if you really stop and think like, do I want that for myself in my mm-hmm. life? Like sometimes it's it's not even true. Um, you know, I saw because I recently I never go on Facebook anymore, but I happened to like be on Facebook the other night because I needed to look something up, and then I went down this spiral of all, looking up people from my high school and seeing where they are now. I don't know if you ever done that. It's fascinating. Yes, oh um, my many of them who should not be procreating have kids, and I'm like, wow, this is <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but yeah, seeing one of my friends had you know um, already owns a house, and of course you know, they live in middle of the country. Obviously home prices are a little bit cheaper there, but I was just feeling these feelings of like, oh my God, I should be, I should be a homeowner. You know, I'm 27 Mm -hmm. and I can't, like, I can barely, you know, I'm like getting by paying my rent, but like, I couldn't, I can't even imagine owning a house right now. And then feeling like, wait, actually I wouldn't want to live where they live. I wouldn't want to be married and settled down yet. So I think it's just coming to terms with, you know, that lust and that desire for kind of grass is always greener, but then getting real with yourself and being like, you know, would you actually want that? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because social media was something I really wanted to touch on because I actually did an entire episode a few weeks ago about decluttering your social media to promote the life you want to live. So using that mute feature, unfollowing people, it's social media. If people get offended that you unfollow them, that's their problem, not yours. But like you said, that mute feature is beautiful. And Instagram was genius in figuring that out and just being able to go through your feeds. And if you don't feel good, even like looking at someone's content and you start comparing yourself immediately hit that mute because your Instagram feed is your space. Like it's personal to you. So you should be able to hop on there and feel good. So now I only follow people that inspire me, that 
motivate me, that make me feel good in what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm definitely going to say that you are one of those people. I mean, if you guys aren't following Allie, definitely go and do so as you're listening to this, because all your content is so raw and real, and we need to start filling our social medias more with that. So in your journey in things and in maybe someone else's journey that may be listening to this, do you think social media can have a positive effect on how they recover? Absolutely. And you know what's so wild, Emily, is like the minute that I shifted who I was following online, you know, to more not even not even body size diversity, mm-hmm. but you know, skin color, right? Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, I'm only following white influencers. And this was actually a couple months before, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement where everyone suddenly took inventory of who they were following and they were like, oh my God, I have no diversity in my feed. Like this is an issue. Um, but I realized I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm only seeing one lens of wellness, one lens of, you know, health. And um, the minute that I just diversified my feed in all ways, you know, even like LGBT or trans, like incorporating those different groups of people into my feed, I started to notice subtly at first, but very, you know, drastically now, just my perception of what the standard of beauty is has shifted Mm -hmm. dramatically. So, you know, before I was only seeing Victoria's Secret models, right? Like thin, white, Giselle type women. And I was like, okay, that's beautiful. That's what the media is portraying as beauty. And but I don't really read magazines or watch TV as much anymore. It's more, you know, a lot of us are just consuming Instagram and social media and TikTok. And so it's like, well, if that's what you're mostly seeing, you can actually, I think, you know, rewire your brain to see, okay, this is what's beautiful. And, and maybe it's not even as far of, of that, but it's more, you know, seeing bodies that look like yours, right? And like that's mm-hmm. so important because for so long, I didn't see a body that looked like mine in in the media. I only saw these like, you know, long lanky women. And so seeing bodies that do look like you is very powerful in just boosting your self-confidence and feeling, you know, more secure in your own body. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've I've noticed that too when I was going through my social media. I felt like there was no diversity in different mindsets and different just careers in general too that filled my feed. And I was only seeing through one lens. So that's extremely important, especially in someone's journey. Um, but I want to hop back to when we were talking about um, actually making that change. So like for me, a few months back, I actually decided to finally get a health and fitness coach because through softball, I felt like I was always an up and down with either my nutrition and my fitness routine, whatever it may be. Like sometimes I would be great losing weight, whatever it may be. Other times I felt like I was eating well, but not eating well enough. I was so confused and I was blaming myself all the time, but it took so long for me. It took months, maybe a year for me to actually take that chance on myself and take that chance to commit and decide to make that change in my life. So For you, what are things that you started shifting in your mindset to help yourself move more towards that self-love, body love, the body neutrality um, movement too? I know you talk about that a lot in your content Um, and just having a better relationship with food in general. How did you even begin? Yeah, absolutely. That is a great question. And it's so cool that you got a coach because I think so many times, especially if, you know, I have a lot of friends that were college athletes and it's almost like this sort of not ego, but you're like, oh, I was a college athlete. Like I should know what to do. Right. And it's like, yes, the biggest, the biggest thing for me was I felt like I wasn't an athlete anymore because I caved for getting a coach. That was the number one reason I wasn't getting one. And when I told another athlete about that, they were like, Emily, what the hell are you talking about? Like, athletes have coaches. Yeah. Like you're not playing anymore. So go get a coach. And I was like, 
my mindset was just so derailed with people's opinions that we should have it together as athletes. So I totally totally get what you're saying. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No, it's so important. And with anything, right? Like anyone listening, I mean, business coaches, I have a business coach. I have a health, like I have someone who's helping, Mm -hmm. still helping me heal my relationship with food. Um, And I went through a lot of that too, where I was like, well, you know, I have an Instagram account dedicated to helping other people. Like I had that imposter syndrome, but I think Mm -hmm. the more, I mean, coaching is just only a net positive in my opinion. Um, but going back to your question, yeah, I mean, I think the top, I have a podcast episode on this, but the top three things that really helped heal my relationship with food, number one was telling someone, um, I mentioned that earlier. I think, you know, I know that seeking a professional may be expensive, depends on your insurance, but telling anyone, like you could tell a friend, you could tell the barista at Starbucks, like getting it off your chest is so massive with disordered eating and body image issues because we feel so alone. We feel like we're the only one going through this. And for anyone listening, I get probably like 10 to 12 DMs a day from women that are basically sharing with me their struggles, different women. So, and men too, but mostly women. Um, And it just goes to show, you know, that I mean this with love, but like, you're not special. And that should be comforting to you. Like you're not the only one going through this. Um, So many people struggle with food and body image issues. And it's just a byproduct of how our society is structured. I think it's actually Mm -hmm. very rare if you're, you know, if you're a person growing up in this society and you feel a hundred percent great about your body all hours of the day, like, I don't know what your drug you're taking, but like, I want some because that's so (laughs) insane. Um, I think it's just so normal, but yeah, telling someone is the first thing. Um, Second thing I would say is, yeah, with the body neutrality piece, just getting aware of your thoughts and, um, you know, don't judge yourself. I would say the first step for me was not going from this place of, you know, saying shitty things and hating my body to jumping out of bed and loving it like every second of the day. That just wasn't realistic for me. And it's still not. It's That's still not how I feel about my body. And hopefully one day I get there, maybe, you know, when I'm 99. But um, body neutrality was so approachable for me because it felt like that next baby step. I was like, okay, well, I can look in the mirror and it's a win for me if I am having a bad body image day, Mm -hmm. but I don't talk shit to myself. I choose not to. Like that was a huge win for me. So the steps to get there are really just being aware of those thoughts and acting almost like a scientist. Like when you look in the mirror, you know, a lot of times we don't, we're not even aware of what we're saying to ourselves. And it's really nasty stuff, stuff you would never say to another human being Mm -hmm. in your life that you loved and cared about. And, um, and treating your body almost like a little sibling, like a little sister. And, you know, sometimes I think when you have a, a little sister, you, you know, say things that are constructive and helpful for her, but it may not be what she wants to hear, right? It's like, okay, Allie, you know, you're tired. Like, instead of binging on a pan of brownies, like, why don't you just go to bed and like rest, right? Like, that's kind of a constructive, nice thing. It doesn't mean, I think, I think people think body positivity and um, loving yourself means like giving into your every whim and desire. I actually mm-hmm. disagree with that. I think there can be some some tough love that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but going, yeah, going back to so then second thing, yeah, just being aware of those thoughts and then slowly changing those thoughts. So um, you know, once you can recognize that, oh my god, I'm saying this terrible stuff to myself day in and day out. No wonder I hate my body. Like then you can slowly start to shift your mindset. And I think the biggest thing for me, which meditation helped a lot with was, um, removing almost like removing myself from my thoughts. So my thoughts are not my reality. So you can think my thighs are disgusting. 
That's not the truth though. That's just a thought that your brain is generating and you can actually choose whether or not to believe that thought or you can choose Mm -hmm. a different thought and follow that. So it's kind of woo-woo, kind of meta, but helped me a lot. Um, And then the last thing is just you have to want recovery more than you want being skinny. So that was a really tough one for me because, you know, I was obviously restricting and binging and I was like, okay, I'm sick of this binging bullshit, you know, but I still want to be skinny. So like I'm fine Mm -hmm. with the restricting piece you can't have both not at the beginning. Like maybe down the line you can, you know, I'm not anti-weight loss. I think like you can lose weight in a healthy way. Some people do, but I think when you're trying to heal your relationship with food, it's just too many things at once. Like focus on one at a time. Um, So focus on healing your relationship with food and recovery is so worth it. Like even if you gain weight, I think just that mental headspace and just feeling, you know, just relaxed and calm around food is it's so worth it. You can't put a price on that. So those are my three tips. I mean, there are so many other things, but like, I think those were the most beneficial for me. No, absolutely. And I'm so glad you said that thing about your mentality, because what I've noticed through having a coach, it's not so much about like, yeah, I may be losing numbers on a scale. Great. Like that's not the biggest thing for me. And this whole thing has kind of taught me that what I think about myself is the most important thing. So just like you said, yes, that may sound a little woo woo to like kind of deconstruct your thoughts, but it so works. Like when I have a negative thought come in, I take a moment, I step back, recognize that I said that and I train it to switch it into a positive statement. And just by doing that manually over a month or so, your mindset is going to completely switch and change. And it's going to just transform your life and your relationships all over. Absolutely. And for people that think that thoughts are too like woo woo, I mean, my coach taught me this, but your thoughts create your actions, your actions create your results. So anytime, like if you have a thought, if I'm looking at a piece of cake, right? And my thought is, oh, I like, I can't have that. I really want it, but I can't have it. What am I going to do? I'm going to probably binge on it later. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of, you know, but if you shift your thought around the cake and be like, I can have that anytime I want. Like, and maybe I have a little bit. And the action is like, I have a little bit. I save the rest for later. I don't feel like I can't ever have it again. It's like that on the wagon, off the wagon thing. So that really helped me because I was one of those people that was like, my thoughts, like, what does that do? I'm more action oriented, but your Mm -hmm. thoughts are literally what creates your actions. Yeah, I'm a big believer in like manifestation, the universe and everything. And that goes hand in hand with the energy that you put out or the energy that you give yourself is what's going to come back to you. So if you're telling yourself, I can't eat that piece of cake or I should go for a run, but and all these things, that's what you're going to get back. And you're just going to get all these negative feelings about yourself. So really starting internally, I think, is what is going to change everything outside of you. We're coming up to the end, but I did want to ask a few more questions for you. So if you could tell your younger self the things that you know now, what is a few pieces of advice you'd tell yourself? Mm, That's such a good question. Um, So many things, younger Allie. (laughs) Um, But I would say the biggest thing, I mean, just in the spirit of this conversation is don't compare yourself. Like don't compare your body. Don't compare what you're doing in school, you know your family situation, like just so many things. Um, Another thing I would tell myself is to live it up. Like it's not, you know, staying in and eating the salad is not the better move. You know, it's like go out, like dance on tables, take tequila shots. Mm -hmm. Like especially in college, I missed out on a lot of valuable like bonding time with my friends because I was 
you know, so focused on doing like the healthiest thing for myself. Um, and that wasn't always the case, but there was definitely nights where, yeah, I regretted it. And like, I should have just gone out and just lived it up. Like, especially when you're young, I think that's, um, you know, really invaluable. So yeah, those would be like the top two things, but so many other things I could go on forever. (laughs) (laughs) No, those are so great. Um, just going off of that too, the final like summary and statement of this entire podcast, I love to ask my guests. So, I mean, obviously you're talking to my podcast, to my listeners, you're talking directly to someone that may be struggling with the relationships they have with food, relationships they have with their body, and you're speaking directly into their earphones right now. What would you say to them if you're speaking directly to them? Mm, that's a great question. I would say go be kind to yourself, go easy on yourself. Um, recovery is such a journey. Um, it's not linear. I think people expect Mm -hmm. it, you know, whether it's a weight loss journey or, you know, growing a business or anything, but especially with healing your relationship with food, it's not just like a straight line to this destination. Um, I mean, even like, I mean, even for me now, you know, I have moments where I'm learning and growing and, you know, moments where you would consider it like a dip in my recovery journey, right? Like when COVID hit, um, God, I mean, I immediately found myself, you know, getting more fixated with food and kind of going, slipping back into old tendencies because of all of the uncertainty and loss of control. And I was just search grasping for control in all of this, like, you know, clusterfuck of like our world. <laughs> and, um, Yeah. And so I think it's just being kind to yourself and knowing that it's such a process and, you know, through any dip in the journey, you're going to learn so much. And that's actually where you probably learn the most. Um, And you're going to look back and be like, have these moments where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe how far I've come. Um, Like last night, you know, I mentioned I was with my childhood friends and we sat on the beach and we drank, you know, like these, they're called June shines. We drank these like hard kombuchas and we ate everything. You know, I had like a sandwich with bread was like my fear food. I had a sandwich. We had chips and buffalo dip. I had, you know, Oreos like, and I, I literally didn't even realize the entire night. Like I didn't even think about food. I was so in the moment with my friends. We were talking about our relationships and boys and all these things. And then, you know, they left and I sat down on the couch and I was like, oh wow, I am real full. And it wasn't until that moment that I even thought about food. And that was such a win for me because in the past I would have only been thinking about food. So it's celebrating the little wins. It's knowing that your down moments and your dips are actually the best teachers and the best learning lessons um, and just being kind to yourself along the way. Ah, that that just such good vibes, such good feelings. And I'm so happy to hear that you found that place with food, your body, and just the relationship with it overall. But Allie, thank you so very much for sharing your story and taking time out of your day to talk with my listeners. I, I really appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was honestly the best. You were such a pro interviewer. I felt like it was very seamless. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, But go ahead and tell my listeners, where can they find you? Where can they find your business, your podcast, all of it? Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, I'm um, avoqueen, A-V-O-K-W-E-E-N. And then our brand is queen, so K-W-E-E-N. And you can find granola butter, as Emily mentioned, at Whole Foods. Um, And if you're not on either coast, you can find us at World Market um, or on Amazon. 
and my podcast is called Queencast. Um, so all similar kind of vibes, but yeah, I'm just, again, so grateful to connect. And if you guys, um, have any questions, feel free to DM me. Um, I'm always pretty active in there. Awesome. Well, Allie, thank you again. I will have all of her information linked down in the show notes. And I, again, I appreciate your time so much. Yeah. Thank you. So fun. guys, I really hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did recording it. And I hope that our conversation really allowed you to find either relatability or find some comfort in Allie's words, message, and story. Like I said before, definitely head over to Instagram, follow her, and check out her podcast. There's so much great content on her podcast too. I've been binging it over the past week and every episode is absolutely phenomenal. So definitely check that out. And if you're interested in some granola butter, definitely go buy some at Whole Foods and Amazon. Um, But thank you again to Allie for being willing to come onto the podcast and have this conversation. And I really hope that you guys enjoyed it as well. Make sure to let us know on the Instagram at the purpose project pod, if you loved it. And if you want to give any feedback, um, I really appreciate it. All the shares, the responses, um, anytime there's a rating and a review left on Apple podcasts, really appreciate all the love and the support guys. And make sure to hop over to Allie's Instagram too and give her some love and support as well. But that is all I have for today's episode. I hope you all have an amazing day or night wherever you may be in the world. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye.